Welcome to the Happy Startup School Radio. In this series, we chat to our community. In this episode, Sophie Kramhoff hosts Seb Castro on how to tell your story so the world listens. Hello, everyone. Hello, the world. Uh, Sophie, <laughs> how many people do we have watching? Six. Two. Oh. <laughs> oh, participants. Oh, seven. Nice. Ooh, really seven cool. participants. Awesome. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, and they're, they're coming in thick and fast. They right. are. So, welcome, everybody. We're going to just start in maybe a few minutes' time. I'm live from Copenhagen. We have Carlos, live from Brighton. <laughs> And Seb, live from London. London, yes. So good to be here. So <laughs> exciting. This relationship with the Happy Startup School just keeps providing. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. Indeed. <laughs> cool. So yeah, let me know when you want, want to kick off. Yeah, yeah we'll start in a couple of minutes. So whoa, and I remember whoa. everybody, um, I see some familiar names there. Um, so if you have any questions, use the Q&A. Um, and if you want to engage and chat with us, chat away. You know, we're a friendly bunch. We're here. It's eight o'clock in the evening for me, seven for those in the UK, early afternoon if you're in the US and the rest of the world. If you want to just start maybe by saying where you are in the world, that would be great. As I said, I'm based in just outside Copenhagen tonight. Um, just, you know, engage and interact with us. And we'll be starting in about one minute's time just to let everybody join. I wanted to give a shout out to all my friends in Costa Rica who are joining all the way from there. I wasn't expecting such a nice turnout. So, <laughs> so happy they're able to experience what I've been up to in London. Awesome. Well, uh, hopefully my mom's going to join. <laughs> <laughs> I have my cousin here, Jane, so I'll give a shout out to my cousin in Eastbourne, so not far from the Happy Startup School in Brighton. Down the Eastbourne Massive. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> and Wayne oh. Fick, was, I was with in Cape Town last week. We had a great time. We met at summer camp. Uh, awesome. So it's nice. Wayne's a dude. Uh, <laughs> we've also got someone who's on the current homeschool tribe, Andreas. Well, good to yeah, see we've you. Yeah, so we've got... Austria, we've got London, we're halfway between Lausanne and Geneva and Switzerland, Bristol, got a nice mix of people. So, okay. Um, in, uh, and we have people coming in and questions as well. Oh, so yeah, everybody's there as well on questions. So great. Okay, I'm going to say let's get started because I want to make sure that we have time to cover this really interesting subject. So first of all, I'm going to hand over to Carlos. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Sophie. Awesome. That's really great to see everyone piling in now and telling us where you're from. So just to give some context here why this thing is happening. Uh, my name's Carlos. I'm from the Happy Startup School. Of course, you guys are hopefully all know that. Uh, last, uh, just the September gone, we did our summer camp uh, here in the south of England. Uh, and we had the privilege of having Sebastian Castro uh, do a workshop with his partner as well, uh, Christine Rain, and they did. Uh, one was on, uh, it was empathic storytelling. How did, I can't remember what we called it at the yeah. time. Uh, empathic communication and then storytelling. So. And, and I, I met Seb a while ago. I've done his workshop at the studio. And at the, when I first uh, heard about it, I was also introduced at the same time uh, to nonviolent communication. Uh, which we had a webinar about this previously. 
And it just all started to click just over time through osmosis, understanding actually you being able to tap into this, this whole wealth of knowledge, which uh, Seb's going to talk to you about, just amazingly gives you a whole perspective on how to talk to each other uh, and how to make stories spread. But uh, Seb's an amazing guy. Uh, Sophie is fantastic. She's been helping us out with the webinars. Uh, and it's been really great to have these two uh, basically tell the story of what it is to do empathic storytelling. So I'm going to get out of the way and I might pop over later, but I'm going to get out of the way and let these guys, uh, the professionals, take over. <laughs> Thank you, Carla. So my name is Sophie Cranloft. I have a webinar consulting company. My goal in life is to help people deliver better webinars and to see webinars as a platform for telling their story. So for me to be able to interview and host a webinar on storytelling is, is super exciting because I see the best webinars being all around storytelling. So let's get started. If you want to ask any questions, use the Q&A. If you want to just share anything else with us, use the chat. Um, this will be no longer than an hour. It depends how engaged you all are, how many questions you want to ask. Um, and we'll be having some examples of storytelling. So welcome, Seb. Um, I really enjoyed, you know, also seeing you at summer camp where I was as well. And then also we had some time as we prepared the webinar. So I, I've been super excited all day about this one. Thank you so much. It's truly an honor to be here working with you, Sophie, and also working with Carlos and everything the Happy Startup School I, does. I, I just believe in and try to jump into the opportunity. So it's amazing. You know, it's amazing to see such a response. We had like less than half of the people a few hours ago. So it's good to see such a diverse bunch uh, paying attention. And thank you. Thank you all for listening. That's a, it's an amazing gift. The gift of attention is one of the basic basic it's at the core of good storytelling so having people listen uh feels like an honor to me so very grateful to everybody who's there so maybe some people know you maybe a lot don't so I, i'm going to ask you to introduce yourself i mean so far they know your name they know you're in london they know you're a storyteller so what's more about sim <laughs> okay so um there's a few layers to me i've been amount of many roles throughout my life. I started uh, as an economist. That's actually what I studied in university, but I never actually practiced it. Life ended up taking me to uh, work for FIFA, where, um, but I didn't get any cut on the deals. <laughs> I ended up becoming, um, through that and a strange unorthodox evolution of events, I ended up becoming a reporter for CNN where I worked for three years and I basically hosted a travel show called Adventure Report, which told the stories of um, social entrepreneurs from around the world and their journeys. Uh, so I traveled with a backpack and a camera just documenting those stories. And I was never taught how to do this, so I had to learn it on my own. And in the process, I discovered how powerful good stories can be. And I decided to turn it into my mission to help leaders tell better stories and help people who are doing amazing things have their story told and listened to in whatever platform they're passionate about or whatever media wants to actually share it. So that evolved into my becoming uh, an entrepreneur. Currently, I just graduated from a master's in University College London in entrepreneurship, and I have a company that hosts, it's called Echo, hosts um, very immersive uh, experiences and retreats uh, journeys around the world in terms of uh, inject and we try to inject emotional intelligence in short periods of time to our participants 
um, and yeah, so I and I obviously do a lot of storytelling workshops and coaching, but uh, I'm sadly moving uh, back to Costa Rica. Well, sadly and excitedly, so I'm going to be spending a little bit in London, a little bit in, uh, back in my home country of Costa Rica. So that's a brief intro. So how did storytelling come into your life? Was it a certain person, a certain event? What, how did storytelling come into your life? You know, most people think it's from the CNN years, but really it came from my great-grandfather. He passed away a couple of years, sadly, but he would always sit all, the, all of his great-grandkids around, you know, around him and just tell the stories. I never know if he was actually making them up as he went. <laughs> They were always so intriguing and so fascinating that it just drew me. And I was amazed at how I would take listening to him over any TV show where most kids, you know, were so easily distracted. And it just caused a, a deep impact in me that I have. And since he passed away, this is kind of my journey to keep that tradition alive with my family and my community and so on and so forth. Were you a big reader as well uh, as a child? I was. I was an avid reader, especially Jules Verne. Uh, you know, it always triggered my imagination. I'm an only child, so I had to kind of forcefully become imaginative. And it just, um, I just related to all these characters from all these stories. They were my friends, you know. And as time went on, stories became my treasures. And since then, they have become my tools, even for getting, you know, professional uh, success or even personal achievements. So building on that, you, you touched a little bit about your company. So how has storytelling influenced your professional life? In every shape or form. I mean, every, every job I've ever had, actually, I don't think I've ever applied for a job, but every job I've ever created, made up, has evolved completely around storytelling, whether it was on the journalistic aspect, or more recently with Echo, where basically somebody described it as where Ted meets Bernie Man. I thought that was pretty accurate. And we have speakers come from all over the world. You know, this year we'll have like a few Nobel nominees. I'm not going to name them yet. But essentially, instead of having them give a normal talk, what they would you know, give to any conference. We tell them to share their story from a vulnerable perspective. Basically, uh, it's a no, a no bullshit approach to storytelling where you share what truly is important to you, thus generating an unprecedented sense of empathy with the audience. Uh, you're at the exact same level. By being vulnerable, we essentially eliminate that hierarchy so when people, you know, you admire, stand up there and give a, a, a talk about their life uh, in a vulnerable way, you, they don't feel like unachievable. What they, have, what they have achieved all of a sudden feels graspable. And that's mainly how it's applied to, 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 the, to the company. And obviously I do like filmmaking and other things that involve a lot of uh, putting into uh, application some of the principles we'll go over later. So, you, you, I mean, vulnerability, I think it's one of the buzzwords at the moment. We're all told to be vulnerable, authentic. And it's like, how far do you go on that vulnerability in the storytelling? And, and maybe explore even more on why it is so important. So maybe give some examples. All right. Um, it's so important because we all have a vulnerable side. It's one of the things that unites us as a race, as a human kind 
we just choose not to explore it or even show it because it's we're taught that vulnerability is a weakness we even see things that are vulnerable as weak and it's words have a huge impact and emotional vocabulary on storytelling is very important so vulnerability i think is basically a shortcut towards connection if you see somebody who you admire a lot telling him how he was like really really scared or anxious before you know he made that decision that made him famous or he did it you know without trying it feels like oh, wow, I've been scared too before big decisions. So all of a sudden you feel this unprecedented connection to the person. I'll give you an example right now. I was pretty anxious 20 minutes ago. I had some stuff to do and I was like, oh my God, the webinar is about to begin. And I was like, I had to make some tea and the dog kept coming in and barking. And I was like, please take the dog. <laughs> and I just started feeling like quite, uh, quite disconnected from myself. And I had to like really, really sit and, you know, take a breath and be like, you know, this, you, you can do this. And I know there's going to be people from around the world, but remember like in the past, you have been nervous, you have been anxious and you have been able to overcome it. So connect with that emotion of certainty and validation and trust in yourself and you'll be okay. Right. But I was, I was pretty scared about 20 minutes ago. So, you know, that's yeah, I think I, I have that feeling every time I do some sort of performance and I think that I both love it and hate it. And I think that that is the, the thing that I also try and share with people when they're doing presentations. It's, it's, it's very normal. It's very natural. And as you said, you can take a breath, you can ground yourself. There's things you can do. Um, but and yeah, you can also that. just share it, yeah. put it out there and see how people take it. Right. Uh, we're, I mean, I think it is a buzzword. Yes. So is storytelling, but also, storytelling can be used for anything from marketing to you know and and i choose to see storytelling as the ancient form mm. of eye-to-eye -eye communication where we just are sharing something that is meaningful to us to somebody who is hopefully deeply paying attention and just being there for us as opposed to waiting to tell a story themselves um, i always say the best storytellers are first the best listeners. That's something that we completely underestimate nowadays, I think. So for the people joining us today, do you have a framework, um, some principles on how to tell a story? Absolutely. And this is one of the things that has made it most practical for me. It's just when I actually discovered the art, let's put it this way, of storytelling, I couldn't really find a framework or something. So I, I looked into different books, uh, different sources, and I came up with a set of principles largely inspired by a Hollywood screenwriter of all people. And they're basically a guide to telling good stories in a way. And obviously, it doesn't mean that you should put them all into practice every single time. It just means that you can't put them and the more you use them the better your delivery will be usually so if you want i can just start um, the first one is actually quite quite obvious and we're we're absolutely terrible at it uh, which is just uh, tell your story as if you were telling it to a friend you know often when we get into storytelling mode or when we are pitching something where we are 
you know, giving some sort of presentation, we just, we change ourselves. We're not ourselves. We put on this mask, this formal mask of, hello, sir, you know, it's, it's very proper, as they would say here. And, and, and we, we, that's creating an invisible barrier. And it's so unnecessary because rather you're essentially establishing a hierarchy, whether you're on top or you're below, that's, but that's going to be a consequence inevitably. So just be yourself. Especially if you're telling it to a friend. If you mess up, that's okay. People mess up when they're talking to friends. And this applies to anything. This applies to when you meet the CEO of the company or when you're talking to your grandmother. They will appreciate it. They will feel like you're talking at the same, at the same level. So that's really useful, number one. Number two is um, one that we always use, but we use too much almost, which is a relevant context. You know, you usually we say when something happened and we don't say where we were emotionally when that happened. It's not the same. I was using this example with you earlier, uh, Sophie. It's not the same. If I say, you know, I was uh, 19 years old in university and I was a little bit nervous because uh, I was, you know, I had this dog that was sick and then uh, my, my, my mother was pressuring me and then you just ramble and that's not relevant to the story, which might be about, you know, your decision to change a career. But if you say, when I was 19 years old, I was confused, I was scared, and I was forced by my parents to make decisions I didn't want to, I felt like I was about to explode. And I did, right? And boom, that's a good introduction to the story. You don't need to ramble on. It's just fast, relevant context, both uh, situationally and emotionally. So number one, tell it to a friend. Number two, relevant context. Number three is the one we, pay, we, we just mentioned uh, about dare to be vulnerable. Um, when you do it, you immediately start seeing how people react because people don't see it coming. We're programmed to talk about what we're good at. You know, most stories, when we do them professionally, we engage in our successes exclusively. And we just think, we just project our CV to the world, which is often a little bit tweaked to look extremely nice, right? When reality is not that way and people know it. So when you just add that dose of truth and honesty and vulnerability, people will pick up on it and you almost like raise the bar for them to act the same way. Sure, sometimes they will be a little bit weirded out by it, but trust me, you'll get to them. So vulnerability is the third one. The fourth one is um, one of my personal favorites, which is how to turn the ordinary into extraordinary. It's everyday things we face, situations, actions, things people tell us on the street, you know, encounters, uh, objects that may seem mundane, but when put on the context of a story, if we give them value, they can be some of the protagonists of the story. If I see a tree and I start crying, it might not mean anything to you. It might be this, here's a crazy guy just looking at a tree crying. But if I see a tree and I tell you that, you know, it is under a tree like this that I last saw my great grandfather, for the last time we sat there for him to tell me stories, and this tree will always remind me of him. 
all of a sudden the tree is the essence of the story. And this applies to not only objects, like I was saying, it applies to things that people tell you. Sometimes, you know, your biology teacher in high school said or gave you a class or treated you in a certain way on one day, which was so, you know, relevant for her. But it changed, it might have changed your entire out, outcome or, uh, or decisions on life. You might have become a biologist for that. And this is a topic I want to get into later, which is the importance of recognition. But basically to get back up, extraordinary or turning the ordinary into extraordinary. And we can delve into uh, a little bit deeper in the examples of stories. Uh, the last or the second to last one is a, one that's a little bit harder to actually put into practice, uh, but it's super useful when you get it right, which is the power of contrast. You know, when you, if you see a mountain in front of you, uh, you can't really determine how big it is. But if you put something that is really uh, like an everyday object next to it, and you can see the difference, all of a sudden you realize how big it is. If you put a school bus, say, on top, and it looks tiny, it's like, oh, that mountain is bigger, right? So by comparison, we can draw a lot of conclusions. It's the same with, with stories. If I told you uh, to continue on the grandfather story, if I told you that my grandparents, you know, met and fell in love at a time of a lot of difficulty and managed to thrive under difficult circumstances, um, you know, it sounds like it's a cute story. They're together still, you know, it's, that's nice. It's nice. But if I tell you that they met during the Holocaust and managed to find love there, it's a great story. And it's that contrast between the extreme hardship and pain and suffering and, you know, of the Holocaust versus love that makes the story relevant. So that applies to everyday life too. When we have, you know, when when we're having a really difficult day and we get good news, it feels extra good because it's in contrast to how we were feeling before. So good stories usually have an element of contrast and even good movies, right? If you start thinking about it, it it'll start to make sense. Um, and the last one, which is one of my favorite ones, and it's another one we're pretty bad at usually, is to, to quit while you're on top, basically leave them wanting more. Uh, essentially, uh, plan, this comes with practice, obviously, plan on what you're going to say before you even say it. It's almost like planning the ending of your story or knowing where your story ends before you start saying it. So by the time you know you're coming, you can build up to it and cut. So people are just like oh, curious and curiosity will ultimately lead to action. And that's what you might want in the context of your business or perhaps even most importantly, in love, right? You leave the other person wanting more and they will keep coming back. So um, obviously that takes, a, like I said, a little bit more of practice, but then again, practice is the only way you'll actually become a good storyteller. So, so how can we improve? I mean, and I, maybe we'll summarize again the principles yeah. um, at the end um, for people, but I mean, how do you practice? And I, I will uh, at some point also ask, you know, both you and Carl for examples on storytelling, but you know, we've talked about one of the first principles is talk as though you're talking to your friends, but maybe, you know, just booking some time with your friends is not the right way to do it. So how do you improve those storytelling skills? Well, I think we practice storytelling every day of our lives. We just don't do it consciously. 
So we don't take notes, mental notes or mental lessons from it. So I think the best way of improving is just adding an element of consciousness when there is an actual opportunity. And sometimes it's a matter of actually making a petition, being like, to, if you're in a circle of friends, being like, oh, this is a very important story. I would appreciate it if you just like, you guys just paid attention to that and done, you know, in a cool way. That's obviously, a, it can potentially be a little awkward. Most of the time it's just very informal. But it's just trying to apply these principles. And when you start seeing that you start, you know, when you start practicing vulnerability and giving a little bit extra detail that you normally don't go into, you know, putting those extraordinary, extraordinary elements in there, giving relevant context, all of a sudden you start noticing that people are just paying more attention. And when people start paying more attention, you know you're in the right track, right? And it's a, and the best way of doing it, uh, of seeing how you would want to be treated as a storyteller is to do it yourself right so that's when listening really uh pays off it's when you have somebody who's telling you a story just be present instead of going into this almost immediate reaction of just waiting to tell our story right oh that reminds me of this it's like oh i went to africa last week oh yeah dude i i've heard africa is amazing my cousin was it you know it's like oh no you know actually ask and let's delve into because when we pay attention to the to the details from other people's stories we start drawing uh the conclusions as to where they're actually hitting the target and how we start feeling with their story so one of the best so to sum up practice in whatever context you find obviously if you have a, a, a already something that you like which is might be blogging it might be uh, vlogging, it might be just talking with your friends, then go with the one you are already kind of passionate about. The other one is just practice a lot of listening because um, that's where you'll, you'll actually get, get the hang of it too. You'll start noticing who are better, who's better at storytelling uh, as well. So, yeah. I'm going to take, we had a couple of questions that are very relevant to what we're discussing now. So Andreas asked, what was the sixth principle? Um, was it to plan a story and leave something open. Uh, I think that was the, you know, where you wanted that, if you leave them for more, they want that curiosity. So maybe you just go through that element again. Yes, it's not necessarily just leaving the story unfinished. But for example, if I tell you about, you know, how I met my partner under the most extraordinary circumstances in a taxi in India, and we shared this adventure throughout the day, and I get to the end and I just start extending the portion where we're actually, now we're living together and we live in this white house. It's really nice. It has a, you know, it has a frontal path and we have, we have a dog. Her name is Lola and she's really sweet. She was always, and it's like, you lose me, right? Because often what we remember most is the ending, at least from, a, from an auditive standpoint. So if I was going to say that story, I would just be like, and we met, I saw her on the plane, I gave her my email, and, you know, we're getting married in a week. And it's like, what? <laughs> you, you don't need to give away the ending. You just need to keep, uh, you don't need to keep the ending to yourself. You just need to frame it in a way that generates curiosity. And that's obviously as well a little bit of practice, but people get there. That leads nicely into another question that we've had. It says, 
how much do you stick to a fixed or best practice way for presenting storytelling? For example, like Steve Jobs had a way of telling stories. I think everybody has their style. Um, whether you have found it or not is up to you. But people find their style and what they like. And if you continue to develop it, you usually become pretty good at it. My style is very different to Carlos's. For example, I've heard Carlos tell stories. He's a more, you know, reserved, introspective, and then like out there, like contrast. I'm just out there, right? I'm like the guy who yells, acts, and just is a little bit all over the place, but that just kind of is what works for me, right? So it's a matter of finding the style and that ties in a lot to the structure of the story that you want to use. Some people just love, you know, uh, think of it in the way of the movie directors right some directors have this like weird fetish with like giving away the ending before the movie begins and then building from that backwards right so it's a matter of like testing it out and seeing what is working best for you and what where you feel most comfortable and developing that style we have a question um what are your tips for balancing being vulnerable versus oversharing especially in a business conversation Good one. Yeah, of course. It's a matter of, you know, uh, playing the, the logical card. If you're having, you know, a business interview and you start saying how you're, you know, scared of commitment, <laughs> probably not the best strategy. But I think it's a matter of common sense and measuring how far you can go. That said, in a business context, I think it's absolutely possible to be vulnerable without the need to necessarily make it awkward. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's just under testing the ground, testing the waters often. I mean, I've been myself in, in interviews, not necessarily for jobs, but for universities where I've been pretty open about the things I'm not good at and the things that scare me, not necessarily if they're directly in opposition to what they're looking for in my, in me as an applicant. Right. But, there's nothing wrong with uh, actually acknowledging what uh, you're scared of or what you're you think you're not great at actually you're probably just saving them time so how you we i mean and i i think it's following on from that question um how do you use it in in business i mean i think i can think of many different contexts but i'm curious as to you know how you do it and how you advise the clients that you work with how do you to use storytelling in a business context well, how I apply it normally may, is, is working with startups and companies who need to pitch something. Usually we get straight into pitching mode and giving, you know, addressing the mind. And a good story, even in a business context, will always address the mind and the heart. If you can get people to feel emotionally attached to your idea, to your concept, to your service, while making sense from an intellectual point of view that's the perfect arch you're generating a circle that will keep providing interest and attention so you do that obviously i mean in my case i do it through applying the principles not necessarily you know like i said you don't always have to apply them all but saying you know i was walking you know if, if your idea was to do a network of traveling digital nomads well, you, of course, you'll include the numbers that, you know, show that productivity is highest when 
people are in places that they love, but you will also tell them how you yourself, maybe when you were working for a company and you felt so constrained to this office, you just wanted to get out, right? And you quit. And when you were in the beach in Thailand, sipping a margarita, you know, successfully getting investment or the first round of investment for the startup, that's when you knew that that was the essence, right? The fact that you were happy outside work made you good at work. I don't know. I'm just making that up, obviously. But, you know, it's a matter of understanding that your story within the business always makes sense. It will always explain, especially if there's an emotional level to it, an emotional attachment to what you're pitching or what you're trying to get other people to consume. I would actually like at this point to maybe give you give an example or whether we want to pick on Carlos now to, you know, give that storytelling example. Cause you know, as relevant as we can make this, and I have a lot of more questions after this, but maybe we should go into like, you know, telling those stories so people can start to get inspired. Carlos. Are you putting me on the spot? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, right. And yeah, so, so I'll give a little bit of a, of a, of a framework of I think what would be most useful because you guys um, face a lot of stories from very different companies. And if you could uh, tell us a story, hopefully even applying the principles of a startup that you've come across from the community that has been really relevant in terms of storytelling. Oof. I mean, it's picking favorites. That's a, that's evil. <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> that's the way you're interpreting it. Oh, uh, gosh, who can I pick? Who can I pick? Who can I pick? So I think the story that comes uh, most clear to mind because of something that's happening now um, is our friend Chris Drummond. That's uh, exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Chris came to summer camp about two years ago, uh, and he's been in a family business for a long time. He's been working, he's been essentially being, uh, he's the, the CEO of that business, as I understand it, uh, taking over from his father who, who started the business. And it, I think it's a good 30, maybe 40 years old. It's a, a long established business. So there's a lot of weight on his shoulders or was weight on his shoulders. Don't want to give away the story quite yet. But um, he came to summer camp and he, he met some people that unlocked something inside of him. Uh, and I think it was something that was always there. He'd always wanted to. And from talking to him previously, he'd always had this entrepreneurial mindset. He told me that he invested in a house uh, a long time ago when he first started out, he was making some good money. He, he bought a house near, I think it was Portsmouth or Southampton. I can't remember. Apologies, Chris. But he was, you know, he was going to the kind of property thing. Didn't make any money. But there was that incentive to actually do something, I think, to, to grow something. But he got caught up in the business. And I think because of it, the fact it was a family business, it, it was very difficult to go out on his own. Uh, and from summer camp, something changed. Uh, and he had this idea to create a beer subscription service or craft beer subscription service. And he has a passion for small um, independent brewers and the stories that they have around their beer and being able to bring 
those stories out uh, to kind of combat this this perception of what beer is that is dominated by these larger businesses and and standard Stella to um, I don't know I don't drink beer that much <laughs> help me here uh, mm. um, yeah essentially this Carlsberg an established beer that that really doesn't have any kind of meaning and also isn't particularly great drinking. So he wanted to bring those stories to life. And it's been a hard slog over these past two years trying to make this business happen while trying to work as well on the family business. And it's only recently that uh, he's been able to quit his job in the family business to work full time on Crafted Crate, craftedcrate.com. Uh, a beer subscription service that I've actually bought beer from, and I'm not a big beer, big beer drinker, but I've really been interested in the stories that that come out of it, and also the the habits of actually thinking of beer not as something just to drink uh, to to get drunk, or even just to have lots of them. It's just actually savor and taste. And so, for me, what was an interesting thing was the journey that he's gone from just an idea to now re and this and it's also in the journey of not oh. I'll, I'll, it, it's a magical thing that's going to happen straight away. But now he's on the he's on the start now of this journey of taking Crafted Crate to the next level. And the lovely Silbert on board, who we've known from our altitude and ups, uh, uh, and summer camp events, uh, and now he they're working together to then see where this is going to go next. And Jack's had a good experience in terms of turning small startups into really good ventures. So looking forward to seeing where that goes. So if, if I can actually compliment what Carlos was, was saying, because I think Chris's story is quite relevant because I actually worked with him doing coaching uh, for, to improve his story, basically. And, and the, it, was, it was quite evident, but he wasn't seeing it. It was so close to him. The entire story that his business was telling was, I want to tell the stories of small brewers. And based on that connection you have with that story, plus the fact that you love their beer is what's going to make you consume that beer obviously taking into consideration the value of the service but what he was underestimating was how meaningful his story was his own story of being under the huge pressure of running his family business and then you know taking the leap into following his dreams and just by adding that very simple moment of taking a leap you're already relating to most of your company of your customers perhaps who are either have taken a leap will take a leap or are too scared to take the leap so you're almost like relating to the ceo at a personal level thus wanting to consume the product so that's a little bit to me how it applied a lot to um it to Chris's story and obviously he's he's taking off so it's quite exciting that's why you're the superhero storytelling <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe we um also you know you touched on listening a lot and I, I've been I, I can tell that it's something that that wanting to jump in as you said earlier and like oh I've got a story about that so you know why is listening so important and maybe what can people do to practice getting better at that I think the best thing you can do because listening is one of the sources of true empathy sometimes when somebody even comes up to us with uh with a you know a, a story of difficulty especially 
we immediately want to console them or help them. Our kind of our need to contribute is overposes our responsibility to be there for that person. Just be there, right? So sometimes it's a matter of trying consciously, activating that switch to just listen, 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 and controlling yourself from telling yourself a story. And if you feel that you have something to contribute, just offer it, right? It's like, I have a story that's, that you reminded me of. Would you like to hear it? You know, instead of just boom, jumping in with your story and completely possibly denying all the emotional uh, you know, weight that that person is having, rather to impose it to your, your, your own. So absolutely, it's a matter of just uh, restraint and awareness of that, the need for that restraint. And also when you start noticing, it's all about incentives, you know, when you start noticing things that you can improve in the story or that you can take away from it, then you obviously become more aware of the importance of listening. Hence, you start doing it more yourself. Um, pay attention, like next time you see, a, you, you see a TED talk, think of how that person could have delivered that better instead of just relating, you know, necessarily paying attention to the whole story as in general, it's like, oh, Pay attention to the details and you'll see you, you drive quite a lot of, of lessons from them. So obviously this is, you know, an online virtual workshop and we, we have everybody listening to us. Um, and I, I personally wasn't able to be at your workshop. I think I chose one of the others. Um, so, but I want to dig into that. I, but what I'm getting to here is I heard a lot of things about your workshop afterwards and, and maybe you can tell us, what interesting situations arise during your workshops? Well, my workshop is largely designed not so much to turn people into good storytellers or better storytellers, but to show people the power of stories. Um, so what ultimately it is, is the workshop is, is a tool for opening up. It's, 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 a, it's an excuse to get people to open up. They have no, I mean, the only way they can escape it is probably if they, if they just bail. So I think one of the most surprising things is just how deep some people are willing to go and then how comfortable they can get after basically just be with, like they, they're willing to step outside their comfort zone by sharing a story. And sometimes we have topics, for example, on, you know, your first love, uh, loss, um, heartbreak, topics that are a little bit difficult that will obviously facilitate you thinking of a story that is not easy to share. And when people do so with strangers, it can be incredibly powerful. I'll tell you an example. Um, two weeks ago, I was in Botswana and I, had a, I gave a workshop in the Okavango Delta. It's by far the coolest place I've ever given work, a workshop. Sorry, Carlos, but way cooler than the Happy Startup School. And Basically, it was to the people who were traveling with me in one of the storytelling journeys I organized to different places around the world and the tribes people, you know, people from Botswana, locals. And there was this one guy who was the leader of the tribe and this one lady from Austria. And they had never met and they had the topic of loss. And it turns out that they both had recently lost um, their son. And in within you know a minute they were both just crying not only crying but also 
you know, opening up for the first time to that sense of loss with a stranger. And it was so incredibly powerful to see them just completely, you know, bring down their guard and just hold each other in support, just finally meeting someone who knew how they feel, how they felt. And it was just beautiful, even though this, the story just broke in the middle of it, you know, and that's, I think, ultimately what I love about the workshop is those unexpected surprises of spontaneous connection between human beings at our most basic, which, if you think about it, storytelling lies at that most basic. We've been doing it for thousands of years around the fire. We just changed the shape of the fire. So. So what, I mean, I, I'm personally, I love to blog. Um, and I, it was something that I, I remember this morning we touched on because I was very curious. What's your advice on storytelling in different mediums? Um, because there's many ways to tell a story. You know, we can't all sit face to face with people. So how, what's your advice and guidance? Okay, so I'll be really pragmatic about this one. And I would say that my biggest advice would be, be get to the point be succinct i think nowadays you know our attention spans have become so small it doesn't mean that you should try twitter exclusively quite the contrary i hate twitter so it's a matter of rather chopping off all the unnecessary elements when you're trying to communicate a clear idea to the world that can work in video that can be applied to blog and that can be applied to even a book Obviously, if you're going not for high readership or high viewership, then get as crazy as you want with detail. But if you're trying to get your word out there and have the world listen, then I would say be, you know, almost dictatorial with what you include and make sure you have a fast pace, especially when you have a fast pace, there's almost like uh, this addiction to keep listening or to keep reading. So that would be my advice. So I want to um, end now on how people can actually work with you. I mean, if they, you know, want to work with somebody that has been a journalist, has been on TV, has done film, has coached TEDx speakers, has run workshops all over the world, how can they work with you, Seb? I mean, I'm just, you know, like, you have a very impressive... You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, the, you know, before I actually say that, this is extremely important. Uh, and this is my take on storytelling I wanted to leave everyone with, is the importance of recognition. And this ties into the workshops that I give. Every time at the end, there is the opportunity to recognize somebody's selfless actions, selfless stories, or selfless deeds that made an impact in your life. So the best stories I have realized come not only to those who become good at telling them, but those, those who are willing to recognize and appreciate and acknowledge the value of others' stories. So when, you see, when somebody tells you a story that means a lot, go and tell them, not only thank you, go beyond the thank you. Say what that story meant, what you're thinking about doing with that wisdom that that person conveyed through their story, and how to keep in touch so that person knows where that story is taking you. And that is the biggest source of connection. And that is the true essence of modern, I think, empathic networking almost, where you're actually recognizing somebody's impact. 
And the most beautiful thing is that we don't do this. So when you do, when you do every time, you're empowering someone who did something just out of the goodness of the heart often. And you will recognize it in them and they will feel empowered. And you'll basically be starting another story between you two. So just wanted to leave, you know, emphasize on that. And to model that, I wanted to say, Sophie, thank you so much for, um, you know, doing this. I know you're, you're launching this, uh, this project and it's, I, I think it's extremely brave and, and, and on Carlos's end, uh, you know, it has, the happy start of school has inspired me into the importance of placing values before profit when it comes to launching business. And it is ultimately impacting the results that my company has and the, the people who affiliate to, to echo do. So uh, just wanted to, you know, kind of showcase that in, in a way. And, now, <laughs> getting back to what you were asking me about, how can people work with me? Well, there are uh, plenty of ways you can work with me. Uh, what I'm developing mostly now and I'm working mostly with is with people who either have been invited to a conference or to give a talk or have an impending important presentation and, or, or just simply want to get to the point of giving uh, a talk. So I'm coaching one-on-one -on -one on how to do, how to tell your story. So the world listens basically. And I work with mainly TED, TEDx speakers uh, from around the world virtually. It's a five session program, quite easy. Uh, prices vary, so feel free to contact me on it. And then obviously on, on the other end is, is the workshops, which are like physical workshops that I give. I'll be coming back to London in June and July, I'll be in Europe. And from then, up to then I'll be in Costa Rica. So that works too. And then last but certainly not least is film. You know, film is one of my passions. I'm, uh, I was so, I almost burned out with film for a while after working for CNN and doing, you know, TV shows. And I'm rekindling that fire pretty aggressively. So if you need not only execution of film, from the very basic to the extremely high production, I can do the whole thing. But also if you need uh, either coaching or consulting in a video campaign or something you wanna start, I can work with that too. So you can, all fi you can find all of these, um, these services and all information, videos, my social media stuff in sebascastro.com. It's pretty easy. So if you go into that website, you'll find everything you need to know. And I absolutely, I mean, it's so aligned with my vision of just helping modern leaders tell their story better. So if anybody out there is listening and feels like they have a really powerful story to tell, do invest in it. I can assure you, it'll reap results quite quickly. I want to make sure that we, we have one more question from Lisa here before um, I finish up. Um, and it, um, she says, hi, Sebastian, are there any practical techniques you use to help people get new perspective on their own stories to get enough distance to see the real message so they can then distill it and share it in an impactful way? I think that's a really interesting question. Great. Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the best approach I use is to listen. <laughs> Just listening, you know, actually listening, just being quiet, listening to the person. And I just ask them questions. Uh, I use a lot of what Carlos was mentioning earlier. It's known as nonviolent communication. It's uh, needs, 
and emotional language. And, you know, I know you've done some of that, uh, Sophie, with, with actually my partner, Christine, but it's mainly just asking questions about the person. Did that make you feel like, you know, uh, uncomfortable or overwhelmed? No, it actually made me feel kind of anxious. All right, tell me more about that. And people have the wisdom within themselves. It's just a matter of zooming out a little bit into from into a point of view where they can actually analyze it from a, a little bit more consciously. So, yeah, what I do is I just listen to what they have to say without judgment and just ask the right questions. And again, as in storytelling, uh, story listening is an art form. And the more you do it, the better you become at it. And the better you become at, you know, pinpointing the, the powerful moments in it. So I, I want to make an offer to everybody. I've learned from working with clients that people are a little worried about doing webinars. As Seth mentioned, he was also worried before he started today. And I can see that that's, um, that's an area that I want to help on. So I'm launching a, a free program starting in January where there's going to be a monthly masterclass where I teach different webinar tips, but also I'm going to be holding like my webinar equivalent of an open mic. So you can come and practice so you can get used to the technology. So if this is something you want to do, you want to see yourself on a recording, you want to practice using Zoom, you want to get used to using the, um, the technology, you can join my open mic session starting in January. So when you get the follow up email um, tomorrow, um, just reply back saying that you're interested and I can make sure you can do that because my thing is all about giving people that space to rehearse and get that confidence so then you can tell the story because if you're even too scared to tell the story then you know we haven't got you out there so um, hmm. take me up on my offer if you want to that's starting in January and Carlos Awesome. That's, oh, that's really great. I love that. Seb, you're awesome. I love the, <laughs> the way you break that stuff down to make it really feel accessible, but also so deep. Uh, I think one of the things challenges we have with a lot of people who come on to homeschool and we sort of go through some of our programs is that it's, it's all about, they always think about selling and, and, and how do we develop customers and your whole idea about listening. It's like, what is it that people are trying to tell you rather than trying to force something on them, you know, this, this product or service. And then also, how do you connect with your customers? How do you connect with people? And so the, a lot, so much of what you're saying is, is hopefully going to soak into any of the homeschoolers who are watching this and, and, and anyone on our community who's, who's trying to push an idea forward. So yeah, no, awesome stuff um on the kind of storytelling note uh we're going to be telling our story next week <laughs> in in the form of the of the canvas so i know for you guys who are interested uh, we're going to do a webinar a free webinar next wednesday i think uh it's on the 15th uh and i'll i'll stick a link well i'll give a link to, to sophie so be Good. If you want to uh, well, join us on that, uh, we're going to talk about sort of building a happy startup uh, and we're going to try and tell a story around that, uh, about how we've done it and hopefully how we can share it with other people. So, yeah, that's me. So thank you. Thank you, everybody, for being interactive, for listening, for being engaging. Thanks, Seb, so much. And thank you, Carlos, for driving us all with a happy startup school. So the recording will be available in the community. And if you have any more questions, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, online, email. So um, again, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your evening.
Bye, guys. Thank you so much. And, you know, as a final note, I, um, I just wanted to appreciate both of your work and everybody who was listening. Uh, like I said, attention is a great gift. So hopefully you'll have a great night or day wherever you are. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.